pull out your bulletin. You can also follow along on the screen, of course, in a Bible, if you have one, as we turn to our scripture reading for today. It is one that will probably be familiar to, to many of us. It is Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. Hear now God's word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you all, and we are in a series, and it's called Summer in the Psalms. We're looking at the book right in the middle of your Bible. It's 150 songs or poems, and we've picked 11 of them to walk through and to teach on. And uh, in, in the Bible, there are all kinds of names for God, and many of those names evoke the majesty and awe and fear that we should have as we approach the living God. We, we said a couple of them in the prayer of confession together, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He, he's the creator God. He's the ancient of days. Uh, I am that I am is one of his, his names, the, the foundational name perhaps. And as I said, these, these names bring awe and fear. Well, th this morning we're going to explore a name for God a metaphor for God that reveals some of the most beautiful aspects of God's character toward us, that of a shepherd. And this is the most recognizable psalm in, in the Bible, in the 150 psalms. It's actually, I would say with the exception of John 3.16, it is the most recognizable passage in the entire Bible. People who don't know very much about the Bible would recognize verses from this particular psalm. And uh, it's beautiful. And it speaks to God as our shepherd and what he does to lead us and to guide us as his sheep. And it also looks forward to the time when the good shepherd would come and rescue us from our sins. So let's pray and we'll take a look. Father God, we thank you this morning for your love and your mercy and your grace. And we thank you that though you are holy other, you are righteous, you are holy, you are majestic, you are judge, you are worthy of all of our praise, you are also a shepherd who leads us and who guides us gently and patiently. And we pray, Lord, as we look to this wonderful poem, this, this Psalm 23, the Shepherd Psalm, we pray, God, that you would help us to understand your love for us, to experience that love, and also to apply this Psalm to our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and we pray now that you would guide us, and that my words would be your words, 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to um, take a, a little bit of time and explain what a shepherd was a few thousand years ago because this is extremely foreign to us. I mean, I, I'm guessing that not, I, I don't think there's a single one of you who went to a school where you could have, I don't know, majored in shepherding. That was not on offer for most of the schools that we went to. And even if you did grow up in, uh, on a farm or in a, a, a rural part of, of the country, like my grandpa Milroy was a farmer and he had sheep and he had a lot of sheep. But the way that he cared for the sheep was very different than in the ancient Near East when you were a shepherd. He had a big barn and the sheep were in the barn and then they came out and they ate and there was a fence and then the sheep went back in the barn and there was a lot more to it than that. But it's very different than what um, is going to be described here. And so I want to begin by looking at what is a shepherd. In the Bible, this is a very prominent vocation and a very prominent metaphor. 117 times in the Bible, the word shepherd is used. And a lot of times it describes the vocation, but other times it's a metaphor for how a leader would lead God's people or how God leads us. And the first time it's used metaphorically is in Numbers chapter 27, verses 15 through 17, where Moses is, is about to die. And it says, Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. It's wandering aimlessly. And, and the, the man who was going to take the mantle from Moses was a man named Joshua. And so there is this um, sense in which if you are going to have a shepherd over you, it is someone who is going to lead you and guide you. Now, the duties of a shepherd... Uh, who was uh, taking care of sheep in Palestine a few thousand years ago, were pretty onerous. It was a difficult job. And I'm going to quote, um, I'm going to share a long quote from a resource called the Bible Dictionary of Biblical History, because I think it paints a great picture of what a shepherd did in that time and place. Quote, in early morning, the shepherd led the flock from the fold, marching at its head, to the spot where they were to be pastured. Here he watched them all day, taking care that none of the sheep strayed, and if for any time a sheep eluded his watch and wandered away, he would seek diligently until he found it and brought it back. In those lands, sheep must be supplied regularly with water, and the shepherd, for this purpose, has to guide them either to a running stream or to wells dug in the wilderness and furnished with troughs. Then at night, he brought the flock back home to the fold, counting them as they passed the door to assure himself that none were missing. His labors did not end with sunset. Often he had to guard the fold through the dark hours of the night from the attack of wild beasts or from the wily attempts of the prowling thief, end quote. So it was a difficult job to be a shepherd. It was a daytime and nighttime work. You slept with the sheep. You took care of the sheep at all times. And what's interesting is this is a psalm of David, as you can read. And David himself was a shepherd for a time. He took care of his dad's sheep. His dad was named Jesse. And there's a time when David is obscure and he, goes, and he just kind of bursts onto the scene. And 
you know when that time is, right? It's when he, 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 he fights Goliath. And Goliath is this nine foot tall, mean looking, probably really ugly looking Philistine. Okay? And he's mocking the armies of God. And David wants to fight him. And David's trying to convince the king, the then king Saul, that he can do this. And the way that he convinces Saul is he tells him what he did as a shepherd. And this is from 1 Samuel 17. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. That's, I mean, we're ready to march, right? That, that's pretty powerful. Now, you might think that's bragging, but it ain't bragging if you actually do it. And he goes and kills Goliath, of course, and, and then later he becomes king. So through all of this, through all of what I've shared, we get a picture of what it means to be a shepherd. A shepherd provides and protects. Shepherd provides and protects. And um, today's Father's Day. And I want to acknowledge that. And I want to just say how encouraged I am that the church is full. Because in, in a lot of churches, uh, Mother's Day is really full. Because moms want to go to church. And Father's Day, dads are out on the golf course. So I just want to say, praise God that you are here. And that is symbolic of what your role is in your family. Your role, dads, is to be the spiritual leader of your home. And we are in a position where um, we need dads. I mean, and, and being a dad is one of the, and, and I want to I say that um, it is a challenge sometimes. I, I want to be sensitive to folks who are not dads and, w you know, would love to be and just have not had that prayer answered. And there are those who are raising single, uh, you're a single parent, single mom, single dad, in, in your home, and it's difficult to do that. So there are people all over the place. There are people who, who regret tremendously the way that they raised their children or what they did or didn't do. So taking all of that into account, being a dad is a tremendously high calling. And you know, I remember um, 23 years ago when my, my son was born, my first child, I remember looking down at him in the hospital room and thinking, what do I do now? Like, I had no, you know, you young, you young moms and dads, when you leave the hospital, do you remember feeling like, why are they letting me go? I don't, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, is it, shouldn't there be some professional or official following me? Like, you just, you, you have no idea. But, but I remember thinking, okay, now I'm actually an adult. Like, I need to, I need to feed and clothe this kid. I need to make sure he doesn't, die i need to teach him the bible i need to teach him lord of the rings all kinds of other the buckeyes i mean we lived in denver i need to teach him to be a buckeyes fan mission accomplished there so i, I there's lots of things that go through your mind when you're a dad and and there is a tremendous tremendous father hunger in this country tremendous father hunger in in our country one in four kids grow up without a dad in in the home either biological or adoptive, and um, if you 
uh, grow up without a dad in your home, you are more likely to have behavioral problems, drug addiction, commit crimes, go to prison, and experience abuse and neglect. You are two times more likely to drop out of school, four times at greater risk of poverty, and seven times more likely to become pregnant as a girl, young woman, growing up in a household without a dad. That's all from the National Fatherhood Initiative. It is so, so important to be a dad. It has such a tremendous impact on the next generation. And um, there's a guy named Brad Wilcox who's a sociologist at the University of Virginia. He's done extensive study and writing on uh, fatherhood and marriage. And um, here, here are some things that he says that dads do in particular. It's not that moms don't do these things, but dads in particular do these things. It's pretty interesting after a lot of in-depth study that fathers play an irreplaceable role in the lives of our kids. Uh, rough and tumble play. Of course, moms play with their kids, but dads are the ones typically who get on the floor and wrestle with them, and that teaches tremendous lessons for these kids as they grow up. Uh, risk and independence. Typically, moms are prioritizing security and safety, which is very important for kids. Dads are the ones who tell them to face the world and to take risks. Uh, it's a very important role. Protection against predators. And you, you saw this in the, the previous slide where girls, young women, are seven times more likely to become pregnant. Uh, dads are good at, should be good at, warding off um, suitors that are actually not good suitors. And I encourage you dads, live into that role if you have daughters. That's a really important role. And then uh, lastly, holding the line in terms of discipline, uh, moms, um, sociologically, moms discipline more. Dads are the ones that hold the line uh, more uh, clearly and consistently. So dads, you play a very, very important role. I, I praise God for so many wonderful dads in this congregation. May you continue to do the work of shepherding your family, shepherding your kids. Uh, but we, we all make all kinds of mistakes as dads. We all are flawed and um, the beautiful thing is that we have in our our heavenly father our god we have uh the perfect shepherd verse one says the lord is my shepherd and again i want to remind you david who was a shepherd wrote this psalm this poem and i can imagine i we, we don't know when he wrote it in his lifetime but perhaps it was when he was a shepherd himself and you know you can imagine him taking out his dad's sheep and he's walking them along, and, and he finds this meadow, and the sheep are grazing, and maybe down at the bottom of this little hill, there's a stream where some of them are, are taking a drink, and you know, he, he takes a seat, he's tired, he's weary, he sits down, and he looks out, and he, he considers who our God is, who cares for us. And maybe he pulls out his, I don't know what it was, his quill, his writing instrument, and he, he writes this, this poem. And uh, as I said earlier, this metaphor of God being our, our shepherd is used throughout the scripture. And, and I'll give you a, another example of this in Isaiah chapter 40. Beautiful passage that says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young, and I want to point out those that are with young, those are uh, moms and dads of young children. And God is, is shepherding, caring for you, giving you wisdom and direction in how to raise those children. And so the question for you is, do you, do you feel this amazing love from your 
shepherd from this great God because he does love you. He is, he is very gentle with the flock of his own people and he is fierce with enemies, with those who threaten. And he, he's perfect and he gives us tremendous care. He is our perfect shepherd and God the shepherd's care as we see in verses 2 through 6. I, I want to just go verse by verse quickly and explain uh, what, what these mean. Verse 2, he's, he is the God of provision. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Food and water, he gives us the basics of what we need. And, and it's interesting that it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Because sometimes obstinate sheep want to do what they want to do. And we wander off, don't we? But God pulls us back and he puts us in a place where he gives us what we need. When, when the Lord is our shepherd, uh, it says that we will not want, or in other words, there will be no lack. We get everything that we need in life if the Lord is our shepherd. That obviously does not mean that we get everything that we want. But we do get what we need. He leads us in the paths of righteousness and um, it, it says, actually, before that, he restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. The still waters are also, um, they would be called waters of rest. That God is a resting place for us, that we find rest in him that we can find nowhere else in the world. I was talking earlier this week with um, a young guy, he's 27, and he graduated in finance and he moved to New York City and he is on this um, trajectory. He had this goal that by age 30, he was going to hit this particular um, career goal, that he was going to be promoted into this position. He's 27, and he already got promoted into that position, doing very, very well. And when I was talking to him, he was saying how he, he feels so like, like, uns like he just, he needs to get to the next step, and when he gets to the next step, then things will be okay. And and I said, so, okay, you, you cut that career path time in half. How long did you feel like at peace and satisfied? He said, about a month. So I said, do you really, do you really think that this next step is going to satisfy you? You know what he said? No, I don't. And, and then we had this very fruitful conversation about the gospel and that the Lord, it, we, we will only find peace in the living God. It's the only place that you and I will find peace in this life. And it's, a, it's great to set goals and to strive and achieve. But you will not be satisfied by those things in and of themselves if you make those your, your end, your goal in life. And, and our, our great shepherd is the one who brings us to waters of, of rest. He also brings restoration in verse 3. He, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We get tired, and our shepherd restores us. He gives us rest, and he directs us in how to receive rest. So coming with the people of God to worship the living God restores us. You read his word, you study his word, you pray, and you are gathered with God's people. All of that brings rest. It's very clear in the word of God of what we are commanded to do. There's also a moral component. If you notice, it said, he leads me in paths of righteousness, for his name's sake. That means that if you want to experience what the shepherd offers you, then you will follow the commands that he gives you. 
Because there, there is a moral component to our lives. And when we follow what he commands of us, well, then, then we glorify him. For his name's sake, he leads me in those paths of righteousness. It's all for his glory, but it's also for our great joy. Now, all of this sounds like it's nothing but good news. Like If we do these things, well, that means that life must just go really well for us. Well, uh, not exactly. Verse 4. I think this is one of the absolutely most memorable um, phrases in the Bible. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And what this tells us is that God's provision is not always um, that which feels good or that which uh, makes sense in our plan for our own lives. And often God does not explain why he's doing what he's doing. But what he does promise is that he will be present with us in our pain. He gives us presence within the pain that we experience. The valley of the shadow of death. Uh, one commentator uh, explained this phrase in this way. Quote, it is used to represent those horrible trials, those extreme difficulties and dangers which darken the lot of humanity. End quote. All of us eventually will go through the valley of the shadow of death. We suffer, we struggle. God does not promise to lead us around the valley of the shadow of death. He promises to go with us through it. And then it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There are times when we, as sheep, wander away and need to be brought back. We might be on the, the cliff, the precipice of falling over and making our lives just a disaster. And sometimes the shepherd uses the shepherd's crook and staff to yank us by the neck and pull us back to safety. That doesn't feel good, but it is for our best. Amen? And, and you may have experienced the discipline that God gives sometimes. That is the, the wise and good discipline of a shepherd who loves us. And then there is tremendous abundance with this shepherd. It says in verse 5, you prepare a table before me. Uh, hospitality was one of the greatest gifts that you could give someone in that day and age. And it went over the top. If you had someone in to your home, you provided for them, you cooked, you, you, did, you did a lot to show hospitality. And even today... The same is true. When we invite people into our home, it is a special blessing, and we do a lot to, to prepare for it. This is a picture of the shepherd showing hospitality to the sheep, bringing them in, caring for them abundantly, even though there are enemies around, and we have spiritual enemies all around us, demons and, and Satan who would love to take us down the path of destruction, and even yet in, in that situation God provides abundantly it says you anoint my head with oil uh, olive oil on the head was a tremendous uh, symbol of abundance and joy and and the shepherd anoints us with oil and then it says my cup overflows and I want you to think about your life yes there are things that aren't great in your life probably but but on the balance isn't it true that you have a cup that overflows I mean you got up this morning you had food to eat, probably, unless you were really late. You, um, you slept in a, a, a place that has a roof over it. You probably had air conditioning if it got too, too warm. You, you have so many blessings. We all do. And it, it really is true that our, our cups 
they overflow. Amen? Doesn't mean everything's great. It means that God has prepared so much for us. And eternal love is the destination that we are heading for. Eternal love. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The great promise of unity with God eternally. And some of the greatest minds have meditated on this truth. One of them was a man named Thomas Aquinas, who is a medieval theologian, one of the, the top three or four theologians in the history of the church. The guy was abs- phenomenally brilliant. And toward the end of his life, he had an experience of intimate communion with God such that he said after that, all that I wrote is straw compared to this love of God. And he wrote a lot, let me tell you. Uh, in, in some of his writing, he talks about the love that we are headed for. And in the, in the Latin, he wrote in Latin, the word is caritas, which we translate as charity. And it's interesting, in, in the early versions of the Bible, in the King, King James, James versions, there's a famous uh, chapter, 1 Corinthians first, uh, 13, which is the love passage. Love is patient, love is kind. The greatest of these remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And the word there used in the King James is what? It's charity. It's charity. And so he used this, this word in the Latin, caritas, and this is how he described what we are heading for. Charity is the friendship of human beings with God grounded in the fellowship of everlasting happiness. That is what you and I are heading toward. We are heading toward everlasting, never-failing, never-getting-bored-of happiness in God. How do we experience this everlasting happiness? There's only one way, and that is through the Good Shepherd. Psalm 23 foreshadows the coming of the Good Shepherd, the one who came who was reigning and ruling in heaven, the Son of God, eternally existent, who entered into human history in order to rescue straying, lost sheep. Jesus puts it this way himself in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who doesn't own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus, the shepherd of our souls. The gospel tells us that you and I were created for a relationship with God, that we, all of us, are like dumb sheep. We, we can't defend ourselves. We don't know what we're doing. We would just as soon walk into a, a, uh, a den of lions as we would go, stay where the food is and stay under the protection of the shepherd. And Jesus came from afar. And what does Luke 19, 10 say? The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You may not have ever experienced this deep well, this eternal, never-ending well of the love of God, the way that you experience it is only through Jesus Christ. He came 
to seek and save the lost. He came to live a perfect life, and then he died a terrible death on the cross, paying for the sins of all who would be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit and would repent of sins and trust in him. And then he rose from the grave three days later and conquered death and sin on our behalf. And he welcomes us. He welcomes us into his, his flock. And in the end, he will bring us there. Revelation 7, 17. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That is a promise. And the irony here is that the lamb who lays down his life for all of us and pays for our sins is also the shepherd that brings us to streams of living water where the Father will wipe away every tear from all of our eyes. So I want to close with a very important question, the most important question that you can answer, and that is this, whose flock are you in? You may not think that you're a sheep. You may think, I've, I've got my life together pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Thank you very much, but I, I appreciate all of this, but, but I'm good. Uh, you do have a shepherd. just depends on which one it is. We're all following someone something there's some ideology that we follow and pursue there's something out there that we are following as a model and I'm telling you that all of those models other than Jesus all those people other than Jesus are hired hands they will not protect you they, they will not stand with you they will not walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death there is only one who will do that and that is Jesus Christ Isaiah 56 verse 3 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And then it says that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so I invite you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, come to the shepherd, the only good shepherd, the shepherd of your souls, who will give you life, who will give you joy, who will walk with you through pain and through the, the, the horrors that sometimes happen in life, but who will bring you through the valley of the shadow of death and who will plant you firmly in the everlasting love of the Father. The chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, is the only one who can do that for us. So come to him, trust in him, follow him. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks for being this amazing shepherd. We know that with you that uh, we, don't, we don't always receive everything that we want. And we know that you have not promised us prosperity and that we will have protection from terrible things that happen in life. But we do know that you promise that you are doing good for your sheep. We know that you will never leave us. We know that one day we will go through death and enter into eternal life. And we will be led to springs of living water. And every single tear will be wiped away. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. And we are so grateful that you have provided for us through your death and resurrection. Thank you that you are indeed the good shepherd. 
who lays down his life for the sheep. We worship you. Holy Spirit, please come and fill the hearts, especially of those who don't know you, who may be here this morning or listening this morning. Please draw them to you as only you can do and cause them to be born again, to repent and believe that they might be part of the, the flock that calls our shepherd Jesus. Pray that you would do that. Lord, I pray for those in this room who are in the valley of the shadow of death, proverbially. I pray that you would comfort them and help them. And Lord, thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. I pray specifically this morning for the men who are dads. I pray that you would bless them and that you would draw them near to you and that you would help them to shepherd their families and their children. Help them to lead them toward you, to do the things that you call and command them to do and help them to do, do those, those um, jobs as the shepherd of their families joyfully, knowing that you've given them a great privilege and a great responsibility as well. Lord, help us to trust that we were made for eternal, everlasting happiness in you. And may we trust you as we walk toward that day when we will stand before you. Lord, we all have different things happening in our lives, different struggles, concerns. In the silence, we lift them up to you. Thank you for hearing us, Lord. And now we pray together according to how Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil.